And as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the twelve disciples aside, and on the way he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified, and he will be raised on the third day. Good morning, MBIC. How are we doing? My name is Alex. I'm an old friend of Bryce's. We went to school together in the late 1900s. And uh, I was here a couple years ago when there was three services. Now there's only two. How many of you are thankful for that? I, was, I needed a little nap when I preached here a couple years ago. And there was three services. I was like, bro, let's not try to save all the world, okay? Save some for other churches, Bryce. But um, what an honor to be with you this morning. Uh, my beautiful wife, and we have two little foster boys with us right now. They sadly aren't able to uh, be with me this morning, but they give their love. They say hi. I married a local girl. Her parents are Lester and Irma Zimmerman. Uh, they planted Petra Church right down the road 40-plus years ago, and so I got a good one, okay? She knows how to make roast beef and mashed potatoes to calm me down when I get rambunctious. So uh, I'm a Jersey boy. She's a Lancaster girl. It's like a Hallmark movie. That's gone wrong, okay? So... Um, but what an honor to be with you. Next time I, I come through, I'll make sure that she's with us. And I want you all to meet our boys because you think I'm crazy. These boys will make me look normal. They are so awesome. They're uh, two and a half and 15 months, years, months year old, and they're phenomenal. They're, they're absolutely crazy. But uh, I'm going to share a story this morning quickly as we dive into Matthew 13. I'm going to share a story about a candy bar that changed my life, Snickers. And uh, someone actually gave this to me in the hallway in between services. So whoever you are, God bless you. This is amazing. Um, but Snickers changed my life. And maybe you have a different candy bar that changed your life, but mine was Snickers. I was a missionary to China for 12 years. And uh, I remember the day that Snickers actually came to China. I was there. It was like, okay, this is my sign to live here for the rest of my life. And if you don't know... Uh, I actually just met a, a Chinese student in between services. He didn't even know how to say Snickers in Chinese. So I taught, I taught a Chinese guy how to say Snickers. So like his life was changed from first service. But I'm, I'm going to share this with you this morning. How you say Snickers in Chinese is shi li jia. Can you say that with me? Shi li jia. Say it one more time. Shi li jia. Now next time you go to China one down the road, they say anything else, you say yeah. Surely, Ja, and they will just fall over. You know what I'm saying? They'll, they'll be amazed. But I never forget when it came, uh, I had a little moped that I uh, would ride from my apartment to the college campus where we were ministering and planning churches and reaching students. And right in between us, there was this little, uh, a little place, that, in Chinese they say Xiao Mai Bu, a little place that sells you anything and everything. Imagine a Walmart that's the size of a closet. It's anything you want from a plunger to a Snickers bar, they got you covered. So I'm driving by this little Xiao Mai Bu, I go through, and I got rapport with this boss, with this person who owned the store, because they carried the magic Snickers. So I would drive by, and you can't do this in America, you would probably, you know, something would happen to you. But in Chinese culture, it's totally fine to drive your moped by, and yell into a store, hey, boss, give me a Snickers. There's nothing wrong with it. No one feels shame. You're not being disrespectful. So every day before we go preach or do, or, or do discipleship stuff, I would drive by this location, yell into the store, hey, boss, get me a Snickers. And she'd come out. I'd give her some money. She'd give me the Snickers bar. Both of us were very, very happy, okay? Then I'd get on my way. Well, one day I drive by, and I don't know if 
Once again, I don't know, I'm not sure if I said something wrong or she, she heard something different, okay? I'm not sure what happened, but I'm driving my moped by, same thing like I do every day, and I call in, hey boss, give me a Snickers. And in Chinese, I'll say it in Chinese to understand the, the transaction. In Chinese, I would say, hey, Lauber, means give me a Snickers. And she responds, huh? So I said, she responded, now, means cross, like Jesus died on the So if you're ever wondering, Snickers and Jesus, yes, it goes hand in hand, okay? This is very, there's a little bit of a difference, but it's very, very important. So I'm driving by, and I go, hey, boss, bring me a Snickers. She goes, huh, you want the cross? And without even thinking about it, without missing a beat, I go, oh, yeah, I want the cross. And I get off my moped, I march into the building, and I go, now, here's the most important question. Do you want the cross? And she goes, the cross? I don't even know the story. What are you talking about the cross? I stand right there. I share the gospel with her for the first time she's ever heard it ever. She knew what the cross was. That's why she responded, shreds the job. She thought I was saying, hey, I want the cross. She said, you want the cross? So I come in. She gets saved right there in her own store. Radically transformed. And the best part, we still did a transaction for Snickers afterwards. So I was like, listen, you got some Jesus. I got some chocolate-covered peanuts. Everybody's happy today. But here's the deal. Matthew 13 shares with us the bullseye of your life. And the bullseye of your life is when you live your life and you radically sow the gospel. You see, you know, you might not drive by stores and yell at them for candy bars. That's just something Uncle Alex does, okay? Kids, I don't suggest you do this. Don't grow up and be like me, okay? But I'm telling you, the world around you is waiting for a moment for you to share the gospel. And the bullseye, the sweet spot, isn't when you try to be somebody else, isn't when you try to, you look at Pastor Bryce or other pastors or other leaders or famous TikTokers, YouTubers, big pastors, and you go, oh man, if I could only be like that. No, 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 no. Friends at MBIC, I need you this morning to understand God has called you to be you. And the, big, the biggest mistake you can make is thinking I'm not where I'm supposed to be. This family, this job, this location. The, 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 the biggest trick the enemy wants to play with you is to get you feeling uncomfortable with your surroundings so you never engage and sow the gospel to the world around you. You don't have to be anybody else. Is this good news for anybody? You don't have to be anybody else. Listen, there's a lot of wild ministers and evangelists out there that you look at them in their gift you're like oh do I have to become that I don't like talking to people that's fine that's okay some of the best evangelists I know are introverts because they have two ears and one mouth and they listen to people's stories rather than try to tell them what's going on in their life so friends you don't have to try to be anything that you're not you don't have to try to transform and be like oh well, I guess I need to be a missionary now or I need to be a dentist or a doctor no 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 God has called you, and you need to look at where you are, and you say, God, I want to hit the bullseye of my life. I mean, I don't have to go anywhere. I don't have to do anything more to get into the groove. I need to just accept where I am, believe that you've called me here, you've anointed me, and Holy Spirit, you're empowering me for here. Let's read together in Matthew 13, verses 1 through 9. It says this. It says, on the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. And great multitudes were gathered together to him, so that he got into the boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Verse 3, then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came up and devoured it. 
Some fell on the stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up. But because of the depth of the earth, they did, there was no depth. When the sun came up, they were scorched because they had no root and withered away. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them out. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Truth number one that I want to drive in today from this scripture is this. I am not a judge. I am a sower. See, oftentimes when we hear this parable and then we apply it to our lives, it's like if you've been hired to sow in the fields around you, you can kind of be like go on, going on the wayside, trying to not spill seed on the wayside. Because you're like, dude, the wayside is where everybody, all the tractors come down, everybody walks there. Uh, the birds come immediately. As soon as like, st- like bird seed gets thrown, they're all there like eating everything. There's no way that anything would ever grow here. There's no way. We don't want anything to grow here because we want to have a path. So you live your life judging the soils around you, trying to be very, very careful that you don't sow too much good seed to the world around you. Can I tell you, friends, God is not asking you to be the judge. God is saying, let me be the judge. You simply sow. See, friends, we're all distraught with the world around us. Just turn on the news for five seconds. You'll, you'll be depressed. You'll want some ice cream. It's like the world is so chaotic around us. I was just talking to someone in between services about the school system and the public school system. It's just like So many things can drive us down. But friends, that's exactly what the enemy wants. The enemy wants you to become a judger saying, oh, there's no way the gospel is going to work here. There's no way that that situation is too dark. It's too lost. Listen, God will judge the soils. God will cause the, the growth. You simply sow. When you choose, you lose. When you choose who hears the gospel and who doesn't, you ultimately lose. See, friends, I wonder what happened if we entered into a new trust relationship with God this morning where we said, God, I don't quite understand it. When I come up to the thorny soil, I go, "Uh, no, I don't think it's going to grow there. Come up to the rocky soil, I'm not sure if that's going to. Listen, you have no idea what will grow and what will not. I remember one time sitting down talking to an atheist, and they were very vocal more vocal than I was about being a Christian, they were more vocal about being an atheist. And I shared a little bit of my testimony. I shared about the power of God transforming my life. I shared about the things that I'm growing in, why God is real, the power. And this per- then he, this person goes on a rant longer than mine and actually much better structured, like, doctrinally with atheism. And I'm going, oh, okay. So he's giving me all the reasons why I'm never going to believe in Jesus. I'm not going to follow him. He starts talking about evolution and all this stuff, and I'm going, I'm getting dizzy. I need, I need a Snickers bar. I need something to get my blood pressure out. Like, I, I'm getting more confused. And finally, at the end, I just go, um, well, do you, have you ever heard the gospel? Listen, you're, it seems like you're mad at Christians. Well, bro, I'm mad at Christians. Let's shake hands and hug and sing Kumbaya. But have you ever heard the gospel? And he goes, no. Okay, let me tell you the story of Jesus. And I start at the beginning. God created the world. It was perfect. Man fell. The whole Old Testament is about man trying to get back to God. God finally says, enough. I'm sending my son. Instead of you trying to get to me, let me come to you. That's what the gospel is. God's like, I love you so much. I'm sending my son to be restored. I share the gospel. As I'm sharing, 
The power of God hits this guy. His eyes get all watery. He starts to weep. And at the end, he goes, what must I do to know this Jesus you're talking about? Now, if I was going to use my ears and my eyes, this guy's telling me I'm an atheist. I'm never going to believe in Jesus. Sometimes you go like, oh, okay, nice to meet you. Bye. Do you want a gospel track? No? Okay. You throw it. Like, we, like, I judge because he's telling me, bro, I'm wayside. Are you kidding me? I'm wasted. There's no way. I'm th- rocky soil. You don't know my past. You don't know my story. Yeah, my parents, they were Christians. They X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. Listen, the more excuses that you hear sometimes, the better the gospel works. Hello? Is anybody awake right now? You're judging the soils around you because of what you see and hear. You're using physical means to judge a spiritual principle. And the spiritual principle is simply this. We sow, God is the judge. We sow, God raises up. We sow, God gives the growth. We sow, he's the great farmer. We are simply the sowers. Now listen, sometimes you get around people and you're like, man, they are so jaded. They are so hurt. They just told me they're a gender that I've never even heard of before. I have no idea what's going on with the world around me. And I'm kind of like frozen in my tracks. Can I tell you what always works? Jesus. You know why? Because 10 out of 10 people need Jesus. Now listen, I know there's a lot of Christians around us in this area, and I'm thankful for that. Can I tell you what Christians need more than ever? Jesus. Sometimes we're the most depressed people in the world. Sometimes we're the ones that try to have it all. The world doesn't try to have it all together. We try to have it all together, but inside we have so much pain, so much doubt, so much wondering. Can I tell you how refreshing it is when someone comes up to me and shares the gospel with me? And I can smile through it and be like, bro, this is so good. Hey, I'm a Christian too. Let's pray. Here's something I need. Everyone that you meet for the rest of your life needs something. And that answer is Jesus. But when you're a picky sower and you're trying to like be the judge of who needs it or who doesn't, listen, the harvest is no longer the problem. You are the problem. For some reason, you are limiting and like putting boundaries on the beautiful gospel of grace and salvation. The enemy wants you so flustered and so confused and so whatever and so picky. He wants you judging everything around you. Can I I tell you what happens? If you keep on judging the world around you, what happens is you end up removing yourself from the very world that God has called you to. Jesus said, be in the world and not of it. What I'm seeing in churches all around the world is they are not, they're out of the world and they're not, they're not of it, which is like half of it's awesome. But Jesus says, be in the world, be right there in the center of a baby, be the one where the chaos is happening and you have the simple answer and you reach into your bag of seed and you simply sow. Man, how awesome would it be friends if all of us left today, not trying to be some sort of evangelistic hero Maybe you're still figuring out your own theology. You're trying to figure out, like, man, I haven't read the Bible. It's cover to cover. It's like, hey, welcome to the family. It's like you're still like, I'm not sure if I have it all together. I'm like, dude, this is perfect because our Bible is full of incomplete people with excuses saying, God, you've got the wrong person. So if that's you, God's going to use you in an awesome way, okay? Just get ready. Like all of your excuses, God goes, yes, that means it's going to be less of you and more of me. Yippee! Like, I don't need you to be a superhero. I need you to be a faithful sower. See, friends, the world around you, whether you know it or not, are sick of us. 
They're sick of Christians. When you say, I'm a believer, I'm a follower of Christ, you've got 18 things instantly that people judge you about right away. And now, you don't have to battle that. You don't have to argue that. You simply sow. My, my wife and I, our family lives in Rochester, New York. And in Rochester, we have a throughway called I-90. And I-90 is a beautiful road that kind of just cuts New York in half. It's awesome. You can get to and fro everywhere. And I'll never forget, uh, there, there, there was an era in the world where we had toll people. Who remembers a toll person? Weren't those the most, like, just miserable, amazing people ever? Like, I'm like, they were, I never met one that was like, eh, today's a good day. They either, like, hopped up on Mountain Dew or they're, like, depressed. You know, there's, there's, there's a very, very uh, a big gap there. But I remember driving through one day. It's just my wife and I were driving, and, uh, and I, I, I get through the toll. We didn't have Easy Pass back in the day. And so I'm handing the person money, and the lady simply out goes, hey, how's your day going? And I respond, best day ever, with a big smile, and I give her my money. And as my hand's out the window, I feel her hand latch onto my arm. And I'm going like, serial killer, like she's finally broke. Like, here we go. Like, give me back. I'm freaking out. I'm telling Jody, find the, the pocket knife. Like, I'm trying to figure out. So I look at her. I go, ma'am, excuse me. And she goes, with big eyes, she's now leaning out the toll window. And she goes, what do you mean best day ever? What happened? What happened? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to Canada. Is that cool? I don't know. This is back when that was also a good thing. You know what I'm saying? It's like, okay, too soon. But like... Uh, listen, friends, if you understand, now that's an instance that might never happen to you, but understand that's the state of the world when you're a sower. When you live your life and you're not trying to be anything other than God created you and the gospel of Jesus Christ is growing in your life, you're not judging the soil, you're just freely giving it out. The world is going to start saying, whoa, 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 why do you have so much joy? Why do you have so much peace? Your spouse is sick. Your children are wayward. You lost your job. Your life is like an absolute tornado right now. Why are you saying with a smile you trust God and you don't know how you're going to make it, but God's going to get you through? What are you talking about? If you understand the state of the world, that's the world around you. It'll absolutely change the way that you behave towards it. So now when I look at somebody and they're cussing up a storm and they're saying, I don't believe in God and I'm this, I just get a big smile on my face. Because I'm like, dude, I'm not going to convince you to get saved, but I'm going to sow the gospel. And can I, friends, can I tell you, the seed of the gospel never returns void. Amen? You can sow and sow and sow and sow and see no results, but I'm telling you, friends, there is a payoff. I don't know when it's going to happen. It might not even happen in your lifetime, but I'm telling you, there is no foul when it comes to sharing the gospel with those around you. Let me tell you this, friends. You're not in charge of the harvest, but God did put you in charge of your seed. My high feelers in the room, sometimes you can get overwhelmed by the news, by Facebook, by things that your children are doing, that your friends are doing, things that you hear are going on in other parts of the country, and the harvest just feels overwhelming. You feel the weight of your world. Can I tell you, you got to give the harvest to God you got to give the lostness of your environment to the one who holds the world in his hands. But here's the thing that God asks you to hold. He asks you to be responsible and carry the seed that's in your life. You're in charge of the bag of seed of the gospel that's around you. I've been a missionary for 17 years, pastoring, planning churches, overseeing teams, sending teams. And here's what I've learned in 17 years of ministry. 
the more that I share the gospel with those around me, the more people say yes to Jesus. That's it. It's kind of like the more Chick-fil-A I eat, the happier I get. It's like the same, it's the same equal thing. It's like it's a no-brainer. The more seed that I sow, the more I'm allowing the ground around me, whether it's the wayside or whether it's the rocks or whether it's the thorns or whether it's the good soil. The more that I sow around me, the more things pop up. And friends, we live in a time where we, we're looking at the world and we're saying it's too lost, it's too out there, I'm not sure. Like we live in a, a day where we're judging the things around us and that causes us to take a step back instead of taking a step in. And Jesus ends this parable, the first part in Matthew 13, he ends it by saying this, he says, he who has ears, let him hear. Now sometimes we, we see that, like you're sharing about the soils and all those things. He who has ears, let him hear. It's kind of like, oh, okay, listen up, everybody. Like with, with our little two and a half year old, I do this thing now, I go, let's put on our listening ears. I kind of do that. And he does, and he doesn't listen to me anyway. I don't know, I'm, I'm still learning parenting. I'm like, I guess it doesn't matter what I say or do, you're just gonna run away. So um, it's not like Jesus is saying, now pay attention, everybody. In fact, what that actually means, if you study in the Greek, when it says, he who has ears, let him hear, what it means is saying, if you understand what I'm saying, do it. Don't like listen, give me a thumbs up, retweet it, clap this, yay, give an amen. He's not saying, give an amen if you understand what I'm saying. When Jesus says that, everyone listening is going like, oh, he just did like an altar call and made, he drew a circle and all of us are at the altar now. Like he's saying, if you understand and hear what I'm saying, take action and do it. This is why Jesus is saying this. It's because truth number two is this. I am not a bystander. I am a divine appointment. You happen to your world, not the other way around. Now listen, I did get some coffee this morning. Um, I... I, I uh, I went to uh, not um, New Holland Coffee Company, which I know that's where Jesus is. I went to the other side, Starbucks. So I'm confessing right now, okay? I didn't want to do it, but I had to do it, okay? I need a double shot of espresso, stat, okay? But here's the deal. I can wake up every day and pray, raise my hands and pray, God, where should I get coffee? Where do you want me to get coffee today? And he might speak to me a coffee shop in here. Like if you go to Google Maps and put in coffee, there's like a million coffee places in here. And most of them are probably decent and wonderful. So you can do that and then allow God to speak to you about a place. Then you go there and say, okay, God, you call me here for this specific place. What's out there? You're kind of looking for the divine appointment. Or you can do what I do every day. Wake up, slap yourself, and go, I'm going to Starbucks. And you just go to Starbucks. And then when you get to Starbucks, this is where, this is where the change happens. Before you go through the doors, you say, God, I'm here, use me. Now, which one is more spiritual? God told you to go to this coffee shop or you said, I'm gonna go to this coffee shop. There is no more spiritual because here's the deal. We're on this thing called the great commission. In Matthew 28, Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And he doesn't call it the great mission, like go out and do stuff. What he says is, wherever you go, I go with you. Isn't that awesome? That means this world that's happening all around you, sometimes you can feel confused, you can feel lost, you can feel like, why is this happening? This injustice over here, you can feel like all of it's swirling around you. God is calling you in this moment not to be a bystander stepping away, he's calling you to step in. And now you are happening to the world around you. See, the enemy wants a complacent 
bride. The enemy wants you stressed out and actually fearful about the soils around you. The enemy wants you so freaked out, wants you so stressed, doom and gloom for the future. What is America going to be? What is the world going to be? He wants you so worried about that. All that does is it causes you to be a bystander. So what you've done is now, for some reason, you're now living a life where you've robbed the power of the gospel and the power of God to be displayed to the world around you. The enemy wants nothing else than that. The enemy wants a scared believer who removes themselves from actually being effective. This is why God says, I'd rather have you cold than lukewarm. Because lukewarm, I spit out of my mouth. Because nothing says to the world that God's power and love and redemption and gospel is not really real. Nothing says that louder than a believer who has become a bystander. Who doesn't trust that God can move in any situation. Who doesn't trust this seed on this rocky soil. I know what's going to happen. It's going to fail. It's going to blow. It's all these. I'm just wasting my time. The enemy wants nothing more than that to happen to the world around you. But can I tell you, friends at MBIC this morning, that greater is he within you than he who is in the world. Can you receive that this morning? Greater is he who is within you than he who is in the world. There was a team outside of Hong Kong that, were, that was planting churches, and they were hitting these walls time after time. Time and time again, they would go to plant churches, go to share the gospel, go to minister, and they were just hit with walls everywhere they went until it became like a massive problem. When I came through town, I'm sitting down with them in the room, and I, and I go, okay, hey, what's going on? I'm ready to talk ministry strategy. I'm ready to talk about how do we need to change stuff? What do we need to pray for? And all of a sudden, I started hearing excuses. And really, what I started hearing was strongholds of professional missionaries telling me why God cannot move in this city. Do you realize how problematic that is? I'm like, dude, you've been a hired sower, and now you're going to the farm and now you sit down with the farmer and say, hey, bro, thanks for hiring me to sow. The seed looks great, smells great. This is awesome. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure what type of manure that I smelled this morning near my hotel, but uh, my wife can identify. We'll be driving down the road here. We're visiting her family, and she'll be like, oh, that's chicken spread. I'm like, how do you do it? Like, that nose, it's so gifted for poo. It's like, and so, like, you're sitting there trying to, like, butter up the farmer, and then you kind of go like, Ah, bubs, but here's the deal. See all the thorny, the rocky, the wayside? It's not going to work, kid. And the farmer's going, no, no, you don't understand how this works. I'm the judge. I'm the father. I'm the farmer. I'm in control of everything. I'm just asking you to be faithful and so. This team outside of Hong Kong somehow got it twisted where they thought they were the farmer. That they're the ones that have to remove the boulders and cut down the thicket and plow up the wayside. And God says, no, 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 I do that. I want you to sow. And friends, the longer I met with this team, the more that I had this idea and I realized, holy moly, the lostness and darkness of the world around us is not the issue. The issue is in this room. It was a mindset that creeped in that made them a bystander to the world around them and they just started judging all the things and looking around and saying, oh, that's how the world does it. I guess it's never going to be. 
So what I did, I said, all right, guys, I said, I don't have the solutions for what's going on, but here's what we need to do. We need to pray for the, us in this room. We need to get on our knees. We need to repent and cry out to God for him to move in this situation and not move out there first. Let's pray that he moves in here first. As I'm able to travel and preach, what a blessing it is around the world. I see so much of the church in this same state that we're inside the walls, we look out, we peer out the windows, it's a little bit creepy out there, we don't quite understand the times, we're not sure how to deal with this situation, and so we lower the shade and we go back to our kumbaya service. And God is saying in this hour, MBIC, no longer bystanders. I'm calling you to go in. I'm calling you to get into the mess and not be of the mess, amen? That team went on and saw an amazing revival. Not because of my great words of, like, you know, a rousing speech, and I really encouraged them. It's because God met us, and friends, revival broke out in that area outside of Hong Kong. That revival started because God changed the people in that room. And their lives were completely transformed. See, this is what I believe. I believe the people in that room found their bullseye. I believe in the people in the room started realizing, whoa, greater is he within us than he who is in the world. There's a power that lives inside of us. There's a, a beauty and a grace and a love inside of us that the world can never even dream of, and it's on us to go out there and allow the gospel to work. Your perception of the world around you determines your action towards it. If you think it's all lost, it's all gone, batten down the hatches, store up on our, uh, you know, those, uh, those big bins of dried food. Like, let's just close every getaway. If, if, if that's your perception of the world, your action towards it will be limp-wristed and you'll be a bystander. But if you realize God is preparing you to be a divine appointment, to enter in with the gospel and the grace and the beauty of Jesus, you're going to come running towards it. Truth number three is this. I am not a know-it-all. I'm a so-it-all. Say that with me. I am not a know-it-all, I am a so-it-all. Bob Goff says it this way, the pastor, teacher, and author. He says, stop trying to be right, simply be Jesus. You can never argue someone into the kingdom. You can never like arm wrestle someone theologically and all of a sudden they go, oh, there it is. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Like, it, it just doesn't happen. What you need to do is not try to try to prove people and you know, try, try to out-theologicalize them and try to figure out what's the best way. You need to realize, I just need to be like Jesus. I need to every day wake up and say, God, a little less of me and a little more of you. God, I have this bucket of seed right next to me. There's a little bit of dust on it because I haven't been using it because I've been kind of timid about where to go and what to do and who's open and who's not open. And is, the, is this the right time to share the gospel? Should I wait or whatever? The, the great evangelist Ray Comfort says this, when Jesus died on the cross and stretched out his arms and he said, it is finished, he said, that means you can share the gospel with anyone, anywhere, at any time. That gave us the green light to freely sow and freely give out the love of Jesus. It was no longer one man going into the Holy of Holies on one day a year to, to shed his blood and, and, and on, on behalf of an entire nation. When Jesus laid it down for all mankind, that was it. Now everybody deserves the right to know. Everybody can put their faith in Jesus Christ. I remember a, a story of a friend I had named Orange. 
And this is when I was living in China. And I shared the gospel with Orange for a whole year straight. And every time that I talked to him about the gospel, he had all of these questions about what I was sharing. And there were always questions that kind of move it away from the real truth of like, bro, how is your soul dealing with, with that? You know that Jesus is real. How is your soul dealing with sin? How is your soul dealing with we have to, we have to, we have to pay for our sin? He would always ask questions that kind of got it around that. And what I found myself doing, and I, you might find yourself doing this also, what I found myself doing is I started to play the farmer trying to remove all the boulders and cut all the thicket and plow the wayside. And what ended up happening is I started getting really, really, really fatigued. Because when you try to play God in your world, it's tiring, okay? He does a really good job. He rested on the seventh day. He hasn't rested since, folks, okay? He's doing well. You need a sabbatical. He's killing it. So I started realizing I'm doing so much work and so much man-made effort to try to convert this person he's not getting converted and i'm getting unconverted i'm like i'm losing my mind finally the lord gave me this revelation this is back in 07 the lord gave me this revelation of this scripture and this passage this understanding and this dynamic and i realized man i'm putting on a burden that i shouldn't be carrying i need to let you be the farmer i need to let you be the judge i need to ask you to remove the boulders and then a year goes by orange is about to leave to go take a job in another city we invited him over for a game night. We invited all of our guy friends to chill and hang out. And at the end of that time, we went to a time of worship. And we just wanted to talk to him. It was like, kind of like a final moment. We just want to have one more moment to share the gospel. And during worship, I, we're all there. Me and my other co-missionaries were there. I look over, and Orange is in the corner of the room, bawling his eyes out. And I'm like, okay, this is awesome. I go over. I'm like, oh, I'm going to miss you too, bro. He's like, dude, it's not you. He goes, I get it. I go, you, you get what? He goes, I get it. He goes, Jesus is real. His love is so good. I want Jesus right now. And Orange gave his life to Christ that night, got plugged into local churches, rose up in leadership very quickly. He became such an influencer to the next generation. But can I tell you what needed to happen? What needed to happen is that I needed to go from a know-it-all of like, hey, I can handle this, Jesus. Let me just try to figure that. I need to go from a know-it-all to just sow-it-all. Just sow the love of Jesus and the message of the gospel to the world around me. And I need to trust that he is going to do his job. I need to trust that he's going to remove the barriers. He's going to remove the theological things in people's minds, the hurts and the wounds of this generation. Have you guys heard of a thing called church hurt? This is a real thing. There's a whole generation of believers or ex-believers. I don't know what you want to call them. But they have a thing called church hurt, which is like, hey, I went to this church and this pastor said this or this relationship here or this whatever. And it's like there, there's people that are just walking around wounded. Listen, you can't do a thing for them. Jesus can do everything. All you do is sow the love of Jesus. I have a lot of people in my life that are emergent. They're like ex-evangelical. They, they believe the Bible is a fairy tale. And they have all these strange theologies. And sometimes when I get... Like talking to him, I'm like, bro, I don't even know what I believe anymore. Like, so here's what I do. I just sow the gospel. I sow in prayer. I sow in love. And I have to trust the farmer. I have to trust the one that knows every single person's heart and motive and background and wounds. I have to trust that he's going to do his job. Amen? Would you stand with me, MBIC, as we close? My role with Orange was not to remove objections but simply sow the gospel. <clears throat> Jesus shares at the end of Matthew 13, we're going to read this together, look at the screens. 
In Matthew 13, verses 24 through 30, he says this, Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants went to the owner and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? Why are there all these tares? And he said to them, An enemy's done this. So the servant said, Well, do you want us to go in and take them all out, gather them up? The owner said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, First gather the tares and bind them in bundles and burn them, and then gather the wheat into my barn. Friends, as we close, I want to share that life is not a combined result of my effort, but life is a combined result of my trust in God. You see, what you need is you need to control less and you need to trust more. When you become a sower, like if, if you've been at a greenhouse, which I'm sure everyone here has, I think greenhouses started here. Like if you've been at a greenhouse, you realize that everything grows in a greenhouse. The weeds grow faster, the crops grow faster. And as believers, sometimes you start sowing good seed and all of a sudden you go, oh, I don't like how this is responding. Jesus shares this principle say, no, 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 no. Let them both grow up together. But, but I see the tarots right there. No, 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 don't. Because here's what happens. When you try to control the situation, you make it worse. Don't look at your spouses. <laughs> if you're watching, Jody, I love you. That wasn't for you. But... Sometimes when you go in to rip it out really fast, you do more damage and you think you fix it. No, no, no. You mess it up even further. God says, hey, guys, let me do that. But Alex, you don't know. No, no, no. You're a sower. You just sow. And a sower needs to trust the farmer that the farmer's going to remove the rocks. It's going to trim back all the thorns, going to plow up the wayside, and also, as those, as those tears, as those weeds, as those things come up that you don't want to come up, that you're, it distresses you, you don't, you got to trust the Lord that he's going to take those things out in due time. So I want to invite you this morning in response. If you want to just, I'm going to be with you this morning. If you just want to lift your hands as a sign of, just with open hands, as a sign of surrender to God, say, Lord, I want to trust you more. Just, I want you to invite you to do that. Lord, here we are this morning saying and declaring we're releasing control and we're receiving fresh trust lord we see sometimes the tears that grow up and we freak out and we want to get over controlling because we want a better result but it messes things up so god right now we don't respond to fear which produces control we respond to trust which produces surrender and right now with our hands lifted we say holy spirit would you help us Find our bullseye. Would you help us not judge the soils? Would you help us not to be a bystander? Would you help us not to be a know-it-all? We have it all figured out. We have the blueprint. We have help us to be sons and daughters who are simple sowers, who are divine appointments, and we're sow-it-alls. We just have our seed, and we're faithful in sowing, believing and trusting that your gospel will work, that your gospel will produce fruit. 
Lord, I thank you for this family. I thank you for this mission. I thank you for this calling that you have on this church and these people. And I'm asking you to lead us in a fresh way. I'm asking for a fresh move of sowers in this house, a fresh move of people that say, man, I've been standing back here, but God, I want to be in the world and not of it. Greater is he who is in me than he who is against the world. God, I pray that you would release in a fresh way an awesome move of sowers in this house. In your name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Thank you. God bless you.